welcome back to another episode of the Niagara Moon Podcast. I'm Thomas Irwin. Once again, I'm going to be joined by another amazing songwriter, Dan Barracuda, and we are going to talk about an album in depth. The album of this week is Joni Mitchell's Hijira. It's a slow burn. It's uh, uh, There's a lot in there. It was, I almost felt a little out of my depth trying to break it down, but I think it came out pretty good. I think you're going to have fun listening to it. Also, if you want to check out more Dan Barracuda, you go to his website, danbarracuda.com. You want to check out more of me, you can go to niagaramoonmusic.com. All right, Joni Mitchell, go. So, Mr. Dan, what album are we talking about today? You just call me Mr. Dan. Man, when I worked at an enrichment center for seven years, all the kids called me Mr. Dan. So when you call me Mr. Dan, <laughs> it's funny. The Dan man. We're talking about... We're talking... So, Mr. Dan. Well, kids, we're talking about Hejira by Joni Mitchell, 1976. Yeah. And Hejira apparently is not a Japanese word. I had just been assuming that all these years. But uh, ah. did you did you dig into the word's origins? I happen to. It, it, it's isn't it like spelled differently? Did she spell it? And doesn't it mean like it's journey usually transcribed differently? Yeah, yeah, or transliterated. It doesn't mean like journey, journey to find yourself or something. Uh, she describes it as, as she being Joni Mitchell running away with honor. Um, and okay. I guess it's an Arabic word. It's like uh, Muhammad's trek from shoot, which was it, Medina to the uh, Mecca, Mecca or the other way around. I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, it's, she was traveling. <laughs> it's safe to say for this album. She was on the road. From the east to the west. All the time. All all over the place. Three different um, road trips, cross country. Uh, yeah, one was from Maine to Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, she was running away with honor. Running away with honor. So what do you think of this? You had never heard this album before, right? Right. I had never heard this album. <laughs> um, so it's interesting. I, I can see how the more you hear it, I heard it like three times, three and a half times. And every time I heard it, I liked it more, which means that the first time mm. I heard it, I was like, I don't know about this. Like, it was so <laughs> like, so hard to follow. And like, it felt like aimless. And this, yep. is, the, this is the first time I heard it. Right. And it was like, yeah, yeah. it had no it was just like, uh, and if the songs felt a little long and it mm. was like no real melodies and she's just kind of like talking to herself and like, and the, the bass was amazing. And like the chorusy guitars were cool and the harmonics. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the second time I, I liked it a little bit more. And the third time I definitely liked it a lot more, but I could totally see how the more like, you know, like 10 more times you probably like love this album. It's so otherworldly, you know? Yeah. These songs to me, by and large, are like vapor. It's like trying to yeah. grab on to to a gas. It's not like, like sing-songy. It's like it's like her expressing herself. It's not quite jazz, or it's not. It would be weird to call this like jazz rock. It's not quite folk either. It's it's her most unique album, I would say. It's it's an album that is very uniform. It just it has a concept, it has a sound, it has an attitude, and it absolutely sticks with that the whole way through. 
and I think it's her. It's the most like her album, like only really? album that Joni Mitchell could put together at this time in her life that she could have made. Yeah, I could see that. It's the most kind of singular vision. Man, that album cover is perfect for the yeah. sound of this album. I think it won yeah. like uh, like eleventh place in Rolling Stone's best album covers of all time, or something like that. Like, what was number one, Sgt. Pepper? Probably they everything's got to be Sergeant Pepper's number one with them, but or Bob Bob Dylan, dude, or Bob freaking Dylan, yeah. So I like Bob Dylan, but I'm tired of hearing about him anyway. Um, <laughs> it's it's a gorgeous album cover, black and white. You see the highway. She's kind of like translucent, part of her at least, and she's this like beatnik, the beret, the the stoic gaze on the road. Like this, this album is such a specific experience and a specific mood. And just talk to your point about enjoying it more each time you listen. I've uh, I've been a Joni Mitchell fan since I was like in middle school, and I've heard this album a ton, and I listened to it a few times for this week, and it's still like it's like grabbing on a vapor. Like what what happens next? What's the lyric here? What's the next hook in the story? Like it's so uh, it's like yeah. a dream. Like it's there's there's very little tangible and concrete, but yet it's undeniable. It is like a, it is like a dream, and it just uh, yeah, it's your it's harder. It's like vapor, like what you said. It's like vapor. The sounds are really beautiful, dude. A Jocko's bass, Jocko. <sighs> My God. And like you said, with the guitar, Larry Carlton adding beautiful texture. Is he doing both guitars? Uh, I mean, there's a big uh, cast of characters on this album. I don't even know if he's playing on every song, but like he's doing uh, the guitar on Amelia. I don't know if that's like a slide guitar, a lap guitar, or something like that. Um, he's playing acoustic guitar on Blue Motel Room. Um, but he, he's he's like a texture player. He's not doing it. It's like ambient. Like he's not doing anything like a lead or a solo that's going to like rob your attention, but he's just adding in all this extra flavor and, and nuance and he's not the only um yeah he's i mean uh, joni mitchell's playing guitar too i don't i don't know how their their parts split up oh she but. oh okay she she plays guitar yep she's playing guitar i think more probably in like a rhythmic uh role or just like holding down the core of the song and then she has brilliant people like larry carlton you know playing around her and over her like you said jaco pastorius they were i think she uh, clicked with him big time, and they were working together. Before. I don't know if this was. Do you know like Best Pastorius has this like huge legacy and, and stature in the in the jazz world and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like he's so revered. Yeah, I don't know this. I don't know if this like precedes that a little bit. Like if she was an early adapter of just recognizing how how unique his his playing was. Yeah, I mean, I know that he died really young, and he died in like eighty six or something, and this is seventy six, so. I think it is pretty early. She she had a immaculate taste to to have him just he he is like the second most important element on the album. Yeah, he is. He is. And he's not in every song. He's in like four songs. No, four. he's only on like half of it. Yeah. And but you know you know that uh Furry sings the blues? You know that's Neil Young on uh, harmonica? <laughs> yeah, I read that today. Yeah, that's that's appropriate. Yeah, that was cool. I like. I was like really paying attention to what he was doing. Yeah, there there's a lot to say about this album. I forgot how like immersive an experience this is. 
I remember I, I, I read that it didn't actually do that well commercially but but over time people like Joni Mitchell fans and you know they they regard it as her best work or one of them for sure I mean yeah. I, I think it's hard to top blue I mean contrarian that I am blue isn't like my absolute favorite record of hers but I absolutely see why that's like her big the biggest success story and why why a lot of people are drawn to that album in particular what's the one court and spark I love that one that that came like a couple albums after yeah, Hejira is is far from her earlier sound and her her earlier work. Um, the hissing of summer lawns, which is the album right before this, is jazzy too, and sometimes like even weirder and jazzier. But it's it's not cohesive like this one is. Dude, I love how 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 prolific she is. Yeah, dude. She released an album of sixty eight. 69, 70, 71, 72, 74, mm-hmm. 75, 76, 77. Yeah, yeah. Holy cow, 79. Mm-hmm. And she had a solid decade where she's one of the, I, I'm going to put her at top five undeniable musical geniuses of the 70s. I don't know. Wow. Maybe she gets enough credit. Maybe she doesn't. I don't, it depends on what circle you're I in. I feel but like she doesn't. Yeah, in my circle at least. I mean, I... she's such, she's such an explorer, and just like an unapologetic. Uh, everything is so innovative about her approach to songwriting. Dude, reading these lyrics just by themselves with no music. Usually, that's lame with most artists that you do that with. These still read like amazing poetry. Like you can just take <laughs> you can take the lyrics of these these songs in just as pure poetry by themselves wow it's like just the lyrical component on its own is so strong dude that's the thing i'm i'm not good at follow i'm not good at following lyrics uh especially the first few lyrics the first few listens like i yeah. didn't i so i'm sure it's too like, much to take in maybe that's why these songs are long maybe that's why these songs are long because she's like really saying something but i'm just like not following like, lyrically it's absolutely sprawling and she's covering so much but it's like and, and yeah, you can't take it all. In one listen, I can kind of grab on to like maybe 30% of what she's really putting out there per song. Because there, there's so many uh, just brilliant lines and like really creative imagery. And it's, yeah, it's like it's too much to take in all at once. And she tells these, especially uh, tunes like Song for Sharon, just these epic <laughs> so, yeah. stories and like just very poetic descriptions of, uh, of different experiences in her life. And it, yeah, it's, it's overwhelming. And that's it really, this is an album that uh, super rewards like repeated listens. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about the songs. Yeah. All right. So I, I took some notes for this one. Um, first of all, I just love the song name coyote. That's great. Great opening song. No name. regrets coyote. <laughs> Definitely one of my favorite tracks. Acoustic chorus and fretless bass, dude. No regrets, Coyote. We just come from such different sets of circumstance. I'm up all night in the studios and you're up early on your ranch. You'll be brushing It's like mirrors, mm-hmm. dude. Dreamy mirrors everywhere. Her voice is just awesome, but the, the melodies and vocal movements took a while to sink in for me. Like I was saying, the percussion's awesome and the... Jocko bass harmonics. That's like what he's kind of yeah. known for is his like harmonics. Turning the bass into a melodic instrument. The jazziness comes in like the chords. Yep. And they're they're so open. Right? 
They're very so kind of yeah. unusual, interesting choices. And um, she was, I saw her talking about uh, the chord choices, the chord progression choices on an album like this. She was like, I kept everything open because I kept asking questions. I didn't have resolutions. It's like opening up for discussion, all these different like chords and where she puts them. It's like n- nothing's like going to give you an answer yet. You're, you're still kind of exploring. Yeah, Coyote. I'd like to know how they recorded the guitars, how they recorded like the acoustic guitars, because I don't know if it was like a direct input or not, because it sounds, it doesn't sound mic'd, but it does at the same time, and it's chorusy. So, I, like, it's a very unique sound, isn't know. it? Like, how how many guitar arrangements or tones do you hear in other songs? Like, I, this is a very specific sound on this album. It, it is. It, it's so like this world. Every song belongs in the world of Hijira. Yeah. But all her other albums are very different from this? Very different, I would say. Yeah, like Hissing of Summer Lawns is kind of all over the freaking place and like has some really avant-garde stuff and, and some like real jams on it too. Uh, Blue is like a folk rock staple that has a, a very minimal stripped back, but like still like more conventional sound. Court and Spark is almost kind of like Steely Dan flavored jazz rock. I mean, she, she's done a, and she started in firmly in the folk world. Like she, she's gone everywhere. She's done it all. Yeah, cool. man, Coyote. And it's it's the perfect like thesis statement for the album too. Like uh, I'm a prisoner of the white lines on the freeway. Whoa, prisoner of the white lines. I'm just, I'm in wanderlust mode. I'm just, I'm always on the road. I'm figuring stuff out. I don't, I, this is such an album of like, I don't know where my life is going to go next, but I'm not panicking about That's it. That's cool. Was she gigging? Was she, or was she, why was she on the road trip? Like, uh, some of it was gigging. Like she, she was, uh, with, uh, Bob Dylan's, uh, Rolling Thunder review for a while. Yeah, I saw that. And, um, some of it was just car trips by herself. Cause I guess she thought, what the hell else am I going to do? What else are you going to do? Uh, so some of it was with friends, uh, long, long trips with friends. I mean, there, there, there's a real lore behind this. Um, I try to get into it a little bit, but like she was driving across the country without a license. So she'd have to like be behind trucks and they'd signal and kind of let her know when like a cop was coming up and she'd change course. And she, she was edgy. Like she's a prisoner of the white lines of the freeway. And also this is like, probably the her heaviest like cocaine period oh yeah i like, read she that started too. having troubles yep. with addiction yep she did cocaine for years yeah and it's so uh, this is probably like the like some of these songs supposedly were written on cocaine like song for sharon um i think she she was starting into to get into a weird place with that um the other kind of like shadow that hangs over all this is she had like yet another kind of like a breakup with uh i guess uh her drummer john garen and he's playing like on uh, Furry Sings the Blues and stuff, but she like broke up with him. And it was like the first time where she was kind of, she wasn't like super torn up about it. She's like, oh, well, yeah, that's like the place my life is in. And these are the choices I want to make. And yeah, huh? Like the, she was having a ton of flings and affairs like throughout the, the writing of this album. Like as she was, she, she was kind of, uh, she was going wild for a while, but like in a, in like a self confident, like, I, I kind of know more of what I want Whoa. sort of way. It's a must have been a really unique time in her life. Yeah, right. I mean, mid-70s. She was so prolific. Jesus. She just kept working and working. Amelia's really beautiful. The guitar work is beautiful. Amelia, yeah. Glassy. Harmonics are panning left and right. Picture postcard charms. Oh, 
There's a weird sound going on. It, is that a slide guitar? It sounds like a low theremin. It's. I think it's. It's Larry Carlton on either like lap a, steel. Or I don't something. know what the different ones, man. Lap steel, pedal steel, something like that. Yeah. Beautiful. Something love, for texture and vibraphone. Oh yeah. How did did you kind of did the the chorus of that start to click with you a little bit? Oh Amelia, it was just a false yes. alarm. Yeah. Like, yeah. I lo- yeah. It's so nice. It's kind of long. The songs are a little long for not having much change, for not having much change you musically. You had a lot to say. It's like it's yeah. it's like a ball of like vapor like you say and and it doesn't change and the ball is just floating there for like 7 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gives you time to sink your teeth into the lyrics. Yeah, and I'm so bad at that. <laughs> I'm so bad, dude. That's why like hip hop and rap just like fly over my head. I'm like, "What, dude?" Like <laughs> I'm too busy listening to like the timbre of the voice and how it changes. Right, right. Yeah, Amelia. Amelia is one of my was my favorite when I was first getting into this album. That was the one that uh, clicked with me the most. It's it's a really pleasant and easily listenable like uh, sequence of chords. I feel like like the way it goes up and down is is very just kind of easy and relaxing. But also like thought provoking. Yeah. And the percussions now. I like how there's like light percussion going on. Yeah, yeah. Furry sings the blues. Great song name. Old Furry sings the blues. I I love how nice and easy the drums are. Like they're not up front at all. Yeah. They're just like there. Yeah. Neil Young and Harmonica, very tasteful stuff going on with him. Jocko is just amazing. Points a finger at me, says I don't like you. I love that. Dude, I wrote that. Points a bony finger at you and says, I don't like you. Everybody laughs as if it's the old man's standard joke. I, I love the way she sings in this one. It feels like one of her more expressive songs. I don't like you yeah. and then laughs. Like, I love, it's so cool. Yeah. It sticks out. I like, I like when she does that. Yeah. And I, I was just reading up on it a little while ago because I, I never knew. I guess it's about um, a particular blues singer in Memphis that she, uh, that she met and heard perform and stuff you know you just you have the feeling like all of these songs are based on very specific direct personal experiences but she can just make it go widescreen with all this abstraction and metaphor but it's still like it all stays together really well Whoa. i'm gonna take the opportunity now to also say uh she currently has one of the best musician websites i've ever been on no way like some of the information I'm getting, I'm just going to her website, but it's it's so generous. It's awesome. JoniMitchell.com, there's so much content on here. Just really like cleanly organized and like super thorough and accessible. And it's like you want the lyrics, you want the stories behind the songs, you want uh just like a ton of research done and, and like uh notes and other links and, and chords and like oh this is awesome. She's got her biography. She's got paintings. Check, guys, check out the Joni Mitchell website. I'm, I'm very impressed. Yeah, I'm looking here. I think it was early Joni, 1963, 19-year-old Joni. So she was 19 and 63, okay? So in, 70, in 73, she's... Oh, so she's like 32. She was in her early 30s by this, by this point. Yeah, like you can hear, even compared to Blue, she sounds so much like more certain of who she is or just like confident in herself 
like she might be going through kind of like a weird time or a time of uncertainty in this album, but she sounds so much more mature. I don't know. Like blue, you hear a lot more like emotional pain, I feel like. Cool. All right, Strange Boy intro. Nice Western intro. Yeah. Yeah, this one makes you think of the plains or something. The uh, this bluesy guitar work is cool, really cool. Is that is that yeah. uh, John Garen or no, or the other guy Lewis? John Garen is the drummer uh, on stuff like Free Sings the Blues. Larry Carlton is playing guitar on on this one too. Yeah, he's responsible for that uh, that extra atmosphere. And we got drunk on alcohol. Yeah, yeah, high on travel. High on travel. Does he mention cocaine anywhere? It's it's never that explicit. White lines on the freeway. That yeah, I think there's some double entendre yeah, there. That's yeah, got it. yeah, that's what I was thinking. Just got that, Joni. She, in that same song, Coyote, she's talking about having to take pills and powders to get through the passion play and temporary lovers. Like it's probably about as explicit as she's gonna get. But wow, I said, I said everything's just floating around <laughs> in a strange. Yeah. I mean, also it's true for all like almost all the other songs. Like everything's floating, dude. There's light percussion, yeah. but it doesn't really ground it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and a, a Strange Boy, I guess, is about, yeah, it's about yet another fling. You know, Coyote's about a one-night stand. This is about yeah. hooking up with a guy who's, like, in his 30s but still living with his parents and w- was kind of odd to her but kind of mysterious and cool, like, just... What a strange boy. You know, so uh, she's strange boy. she's really just wanting to sing about all these like really personal experiences and all these like revelations and 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 people she's gotten in touch with. So this this song is certainly no exception. So she's not like too cryptic. It's pretty cool, right? She's just kind of like laying it out. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say she 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 has to elevate the language, but she's not she's never too oblique, I feel like. Who's Amelia about? Amelia Earhart. That's what I was wondering, yeah. Yeah, she's comparing Amelia Earhart's experience of, you know, being the first woman to to fly a plane like that and go these gigantic distances and she, she's Joni Mitchell is driving these gigantic distances and is uh definitely, you know, the first woman to do a lot of the stuff she did in music and she's kind of a trailblazer in her her own right in her own yeah. world. I think she was making some very poetic uh, comparisons. Wow. Hejira. So I love the minor intro. Very minor. Mm. I think this, this song feels the jazziest of them all to me. Yeah. I'm traveling in some vehicle. Like the most noncommittal. Non-committal, yeah. Man, I could listen to Jocko's playing all day. Sounds so good mm. in, the, in this context, you know? Because I'm sure I haven't really like heard Jocko like his music, but I'm sure it's very jazzy and you yeah. know free flowing, more up tempo, a lot of it. And um, it's nice to hear it like, in, in this context. Weather report. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, she said this one was particularly difficult for her to write. I, th- I think she was confronting her own personal issues and like her addiction and stuff. I, I think this song was trying to bring that to the forefront a little bit more, but, uh-huh. uh, 
again, like I say, that it's there's so many lyrics to dig into. I can I can only kind of take a stab at it, but um, yeah, I'm tra- I'm traveling in some vehicle. I'm sitting in some cafe. Yeah. I don't know which one. I just I've been freaking going around forever. I'm I'm lost. Yeah, but it's uh, she's it's it's really embracing this like solitude and melancholy, but just kind of you know sitting with it for a while and getting comfortable with it before moving on song for sharon the longest one on the album song for sharon's one of my favorites 838 holy cow that's a big one dude this is a progressive out like these are song like song lengths five <laughs> six five yeah. four yeah. six forty eight forty four twenty yeah, five six forty jesus yeah song for sharon's pretty bad i mean just read the lyrics it goes down and down and down. There's so much. There's so much poetry. This is like a book of poetry, but the music. Wow. I said, what's that cymbal rattle in the intro? I love that. It's a really cool sound in the, in the mm. beginning of Song for Sharon. I said, this one grooves. I really like, yeah, I really like the part that comes later on the song, like the backup vocals that go, the harmony vocals? Like the reverby, like a complimentary, like backup yeah. melody. Yeah that she does i really think it sounds cool there they can balance and they can climb like their fathers before them they'll walk the girders of the manhattan skyline i said this one grooves nice and easy drums and jocko's just gliding through this is my favorite of jocko's yeah, songs gliding. this is my favorite of jocko's songs on the album yeah he does that one lick throughout the song the i got bad news bro Max Bennett played on this song, not Jocko. It's not. It's not Jocko. No, nope. because he's if Jocko. I, I, assuming Wikipedia is correct, Jocko is playing fretless, and I think this you're hearing like a a normal bass. So Max Bennett, wow. a different guitar, bass That's guitar crazy. player for Stand corrected. song for Sharon and for he sings the blues. Yeah. But anyways, that lick, the do 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 do. Oh yeah, yeah, I love that. I love Jesus. that. I love when she goes. I'm headed to the church to play bingo, and I lo- I I can keep my cool at poker, but I'm a fool when love's at stake, and I yeah. love when she says, "18 bucks went up in smoke." Went up in smoke. Yeah, when she went to see the fortune teller. So cool. The Bleecker gyps- Street. The gypsy on Bleecker Street. Yeah, I guess this is uh, like written right after she had a, a trip in Manhattan. And um, I guess Sharon was like somebody she knew from her childhood. And just Stat- this Staten idea. Staten Island. Staten Island. Yeah, yeah. She went to Staten Island to buy a, a mandolin. And just this idea of she maybe wanted to live the, the domestic life and marry a farmer. And she ended up with this crazy music career. And maybe there's somebody else who wanted to have the crazy artistic career and ended up like in a domestic role and just, you know, Prince and the Popper sort of thing might wow. be at play a little bit. But again, I, I'm, I'm sort of guessing because th- these songs are so damn long and so full of uh, metaphors and all these uh, poetic observ- observations. I, you know, can't necessarily keep up with all of it. Yeah. Black Crow. Black Crow's great. What was the first song on Asia? Black Cow? Black Cow? Purple Cow? Black Cow is Steely Dan. <laughs> Black, Black Crow, Crow is Sejira. Uh, I said, Jesus, what are those guitars tuned down to? So yeah, low. yeah. The, the, the playing on this song in particular is, is very, 
Very unique sounding. Intro is so sick. I love the bass work Intro's again. Cool. Jazzy ass yeah. chords. I feel like that black crow flying. Love the way she says yeah. flying. I feel like that black crow flying in a blue sky. That's a good one. Yeah, and it's a really cool acoustic riff. It's got like a really nice movement. Yeah, Black Crow might be one of my favorites from the album. Blue Motel Room. I still, I think it's good and it still fits in the album. Sticks out like a sore thumb. You think it sticks out? I think it sticks out because it's very like 50s feeling. And it's like... It's more, it's way more lounge jazz. Loungy. It's not as like otherworldly as the, other, as the rest of the album. Yeah. But the stand-up bass is super effective. Yeah. I like, I like the stand-up. Sounds great. For sure. Yeah, I... I I agree that it it is different, but I don't I don't think it like breaks the barrier too much. It's still yeah, it doesn't quite yeah. It's loosely in in the world, but it is the most kind of straight ahead sounding. Like oh, she's trying to do like a jazz standard sounding song now. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah, yeah. and f- for that reason, I don't know. She kind of I I don't want to hear her doing more conventional jazz. It, I kind of tap out a little bit, but it's it's still uh, I enjoyed it when I was playing. Now, what's she saying in this song? I didn't follow uh, <laughs> I just, the part that sticks out the most to me is, On the boom, boom, pachyderm, will you still love me? I forget what the lyrics are after that, but it, it's it's more, I got blues inside and outside my head. Like, it's feels more like an old jazz standard. Will you still love me when I call you? It's raining here in Savannah, Georgia. I'm, I'm in a motel room feeling down. You know, it's a little more straight ahead. Wow. Blue motel room. Okay, is Jocko playing on Refuge? Yes. Yes, he is. That's a great All one. right, good. Because, Jesus. Yeah, Jocko's first note, like the low note right when the vocals come in. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. I was like, his bass work is so alien-like. <laughs> it's from another planet. Yeah, it's a crucial element of this album. That's what you were saying earlier. Like, you think he's like the second most important part of the album, right? For sure. I think "Refuge of the Roads" is is it's another great yeah. highlight, and a, it's a great yeah. album closer. It's got some optimism to it. Right after she says "Refuge of the Roads," he, he has like a mini solo. He has like a mi- Jocko has like a mini solo. It's yeah. like it just sounds. So cool, dude. Again, yeah, I felt this one was like also like a little long. That's the thing, because when I'm not following the lyrics, it like feels like a little long. <laughs> yeah, it does require some attention. Like if you didn't speak English, it would sound like a similar thing for a long time. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and Refuge of the Roads was apparently written uh, about a 3D, 3D, uh, like a three-day <laughs> stay she had with a meditation master in Colorado, and she was trying to, you know, work on herself and, and kick her addiction and stuff. So oh, wow. I, think, I think it has that sort of self-reliance energy to it. 
I don't know if she was able to, to quit cocaine shortly after that or if it took a little longer, but it sounds like it was like a, it was an experience that helped uh, build herself back up. Wow. The Refuge of the Roads, that's, again, just flawlessly ties into this theme of seeking out solitude in travel and just going out there like a beatnik and, and having all these different experiences, these affairs, meeting all these people and, and you know, trying to make any sense of it all. I think that's the, the whole through line of this album. Wow. Yeah, I, it's cool. Like, I feel like the secret to making an album feel like it's like its own world is like really having like, mi- like a minimal amount of like core elements like with like yeah. the 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 fretless uh, glassy bass and her mm-hmm. voice obviously is number one and then like the glassy chorusy guitar and like mm-hmm. and just you know it's like those three things if you do that in every song it'll sound like it's like in its own world yeah you, you and just like the way it's played the way it's played is very loose and like every song feels like really loose yeah, I think that's all totally true. It's it's deciding sort of the, the sonic limitations of what you want to do. And I think hand in hand with that, though, is what are you trying to say artistically? Like, who are the characters in this? What do they want? What what are the the like? What are the feelings around this? What what are you hoping for? And you know that comes out in the lyrics of the songs. That comes out in the way you sing it. Just your your general vibe. Like the the best kind of album, it's very easy to describe it with certain adjectives. You're like, oh, it's 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 for this kind of mood. You know, all things must pass is about finding a higher power and and finding like emotional and spiritual balance. You could say, yeah. uh, Joni Mitchell, Hey Jira, reflecting like, on like her. I don't know what's gonna happen next. I'm on the road. Yeah, things are getting a little wild. I'm 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 here. I'm here for it though. Reflecting immediately on what's going on. Yeah, yeah. The the best albums you can just you can you can describe them pretty quickly. I feel like you yeah, know, they're they're going for very specific effects. Wow, super cool. Well, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It's really cool to dive into her world because I really wasn't familiar. I just knew like Big Yellow Taxi and yeah, yeah. Uh, fiddle fiddle in the drum. You know, fiddle in the drum. I think so. Maybe that's on clouds. I know because uh, a perfect circle, a perfect circle does a really cool cover of it, and and I never knew it was mm. a cover, and then I real, and then one day I learned that it was, and I heard the original. I was like, "Wow, that's Joni Mitchell." Yeah, no, I mean she goes, it goes a lot deeper than this man. This is kind of like a weird detour. Oh, it was like a detour. This isn't like the deepest it goes. I mean, I think it's it's a great album, but it's it's like if you listen to five other of her albums, they're also all great and they're totally different than this. You know what I mean? Like this is just one very specific period. Are they similar with each other? Those five albums that like just like mm, another five, you hear more of a clear evolution. Like you hear it go from, from kind of more hippie folk to melancholic folk to like, by the time you get to blue, you get a blend and like just really like cutting personal insight and, and a tendency to uh, experiment a little more and diversify the sound. By the time you get to Court and Spark, yeah. it's like jazz rock, and it gets jazzier, and then you get this, and then it gets a little weird. And um, I feel like she kind of fizzles out by the time you get to Mingus. You get to the end of the 70s. Um, I, I don't go too much more beyond that. Yeah, she had like four albums in the 80s. She had like three or four yeah, albums. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure that they have their audience. I haven't really dug in and dug into them too much. But uh, for me, I'm, I'm all about this... Uh, it's very strong um, 70s streak she had. 
but she she has multitudes, man. She's got so many songs and so many highlights. But I I wanted I wanted to do this one because it's it's such a unique album within her catalog and it's so consistent, um, and it has such a particular tone. I, I thought it'd be cool to cool to explore and definitely give you a a, a positive first impression. Yeah. Cool. Great suggestion, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right, shall we get into ratings? Don't be mad at me. That's just one man's opinion. Man, I don't know. I don't. I don't have anything to compare it to. Like I don't right. know. Like her. Like, I guess with Bjork, I didn't either. Yeah. But uh, I was. But I mean, so Bjork did like an awesome job on that album because, you know, having not been familiar with all her others, I just thought it was like really cool, and this was also really cool. You know. Yeah. Um. Whew. I don't know. I guess I'll give it like a, for Joni, I, I give it like a 92. Took the words right out of my mouth. I'm going to go uh, 92 as well. Yeah? It's it's not an album that I absolutely love without question all the time. It's, it's not in my top stack or whatever. But there's always something that I enjoy getting out of it. And I think it's it's remarkably consistent and cohesive and uh like definitely trailblazing at the time and um if i'm in the right mood for it 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 captures a vibe that i you know a world that i am i'm definitely happy to go into and uh yeah that that leaves you with a 92 i like it yep listen to more joni yep i'm so glad i know about it Always have fun checking in with the Dan man, and uh, I really enjoyed listening to that album. Can't tell you quite yet what the uh, next episode will be. Dan is actually going to be away and unavailable for a couple of weeks, but uh, I'll figure out something cool for you to check out next week. Until then, have a great rest of your week, and I look forward to sharing some cool Niagara Moon stuff with you soon. Believe me, I have uh, I've been busy recently. You're going to like what's coming up. Oh, and uh, if you like the podcast, you know, you want to support in some small way, by all means, please write a review or leave a rating on your platform of choice. Also, as I've uh, been mentioning, I have a Patreon, Niagara Moon Music on Patreon. Check that out, too, if you're so inclined. All right. See you later.